Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 136. I'm Kelly Calabrese, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to live a life of whole life wellness is key, and one way to be inspired is to do that by listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater have a reward and a punishment set up. So I call them CPRs. There's C is your commitment. The P is your penalty for not doing it. And the R is your reward for doing it. So most people will move away from a penalty 2.5 times more than they will move towards a reward. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Kelly Calabrese. I asked Kelly to share how her work as a health and wellness and divorce coach are actually connected. I also asked her about the spirit, mind, and body approach she takes to the healing work she does. And I asked Kelly about how we can overcome grief or getting stuck in a rut and move on. You know, one area that a lot of folks need some help with is around the area of productivity. Getting not just more things done, but actually getting the right things done can be really tough. I've got a course called Productivity for Your Passion that's designed to help you do this and then to hold you accountable and walk with you so that you can tailor productivity not just to be getting more done, but actually getting the right things done. What's more, we take the approach of looking at your personality and how you actually look at things in the world and tailor the productivity system to your personality. Because the truth is, a lot of the systems that are out there are written really well for somebody with a particular personality type. But if you have a different approach to things, they just don't work. But there's tools and techniques and approaches that you can take that will work for anyone. And we help you do that in productivity for your passion. Check it out over at inspiredstewardship.com launch. Kelly Calabrese is a 34-year old wellness coach, speaker, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. With three science degrees and 27 certifications, she's an expert on all wellness topics, including fitness, weight loss, energy, youthful aging, and sleep. She is also a mindset pro focusing on renewing your thoughts, setting boundaries, visualizing, meditating, and goal setting. Kelly leads with a spirit, mind, body approach to well-being and speaks on forgiveness, purpose, joy, and love. As a certified divorce coach, she can help people get through the grief of separation, divorce, and post-divorce to live an amazing bonus life. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you here today. So we talked a little bit in the intro about how you work in health and wellness, but then you're also a certified divorce coach. Can you talk a little bit about your journey and what 
got you to bringing together what at first glance that sounds like wait totally different areas what what brought you into working in both of these areas ah uh, from the pain comes purpose so initially <laughs> when i was 13 i actually wrote in my journal i will be an exercise therapist not really knowing what that meant i just knew i was really happy when i was running dancing jumping cheerleading softball i just love to move i love that endorphin high and I also wanted to move away from the pain of a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, alcoholism, cigarette smoking. I went, oh, I want nothing to do with that. So I went on this quest of what I call divine health, that I want to wake up and be well every single day. And I want to take as many people along with me as I possibly can. I love for people to be healthy and I hate when people are sick and depressed and addicted and all the things that are less than excellent. So I've had a beautiful career and been blessed to do so many different things. And sometimes the vehicles change. I've been on TV and I've written books and I've owned health clubs and I've done corporate fitness and boot camps and so many different things, but it's always lined up with helping people be well. And then the divorce coaching came in when after a 24-year marriage, my husband came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. And it absolutely floored me, took me to my knees, emptied me out. It was like a tornado came in and just blew up my world and left this gaping, painful hole in my heart. So I went on a quest to get well, and I wanted to do it in a healthy way. So really the body, mind, and the spirit are all completely connected. We can't separate them, mm -hmm. but it has to do with our physical bodies, but also relationally, professionally, socially, uh, financially, it's every area. So relationships obviously are a big area of our lives and they're connected to our physical and mental health and spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And you talk a lot about the spirit, mind, body approach and can you talk a little bit about what further expand on that? What do you mean when you keep bringing up all three of those? Absolutely. So I started out in the physical realm that I got a master's degree in clinical exercise physiology, and I started working with people a lot of at that time back in the eighties, not everyone had a personal trainer. So it was a lot of attorneys and physicians and they were pretty stressed out and pretty unhealthy. And so I'd bring them in and talk about their goals and I'd help them lose the weight and get rid of the back pain and what I noticed was after time, they'd come in and they go, my employees are saying that I'm a lot happier at work. And I think even my kids, they like me better. And my wife is noticing I'm a little more joyful. So I instantly noticed the connection to the mind. And so I started to back that up and study the mind and how that affects the body. And when you keep studying the mind, eventually you get to a quantum level. And at the end of the quantum level is the spiritual level. And what I know is when someone's body is physically just down and in pain and ill and just not in a good way, it is tough to have good mental health and it's tough to have a spiritual connection, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. So you can come at it from any angle that someone is willing to start with. So if they're strong spiritually, but they're abusing their body physically, but I, I just have figured out a way to go about it to get them to a place of health using all three. Mm -hmm. it, it's similar. I work a lot with financial coaching and work with people on money. And one of the things that I've had people that have worked with me for three or four months and they come back and they're like, I'm losing weight. 
Why am I losing weight? It's not like I'm starving to death and I'm not eating, but why am I losing? And it, it is interesting how there's keystone habits that sort of, as you begin to address one area, it spills over into to other areas. Absolutely. Yeah. If you look at someone who's morbidly obese, because of the habits, you talk about the keystone habits that they have, it's likely that they don't have a lot of financial wealth and they don't have good relationships and it does spill over into the other areas. Mm -hmm. So as you've been working in this area, what are some of the what are some of the keys that you've discovered for people when it comes to whether it's in the divorce relationship kind of area or whether it's in the health? Again, like you said, they're related. So what are some of the keys that you've discovered or, or key areas that people need to think about when they're struggling in one of these? One is definitely identity. That was one that I struggled with and a lot of people do a lot. We see ourselves with the neighborhood we live in, the car we drive, the purse we carry, and things of the world that the literally can wear. go away. <laughs> yeah, in a moment, literally, I mean, your status as a spouse or even as a parent or as a child. All of that can go away in a moment. So you need to know who you are alone. You need to be okay with being, you know, alone, but not lonely and really realize that, uh, you know, there's a higher power that is where our identity should be because that is unchanging. That is the rock that we can stand on. And when you see that there's hurt people in the world and there's a darkness and things coming against us in the world that are constantly struggling, you have to have your hope in something. And if it's yourself, <laughs> it's going to be a long, slow, struggling road to ever being joyful and happy. So, you know, I hope that people have a higher power and realize that that's really where their identity is and everything here is really fleeting. And when you realize that, and then you stop comparing and stop striving, things just start to get better when you can get into that kind of a flow. So identity is one of the places I start. Another big area is forgiveness. That's kind of the thing nobody wants to talk about. And people be like, Kelly, if you heard my story, you would not be telling me to forgive. And there are some awful stories. I am not at all trying to put down anyone's hurt or say anything was okay. But forgiveness is really for yourself. There's so mm -hmm. much freedom in that. And if you are holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and Ugh, it's just a terrible place of a victim mentality to live. So we work on forgiveness and it comes down to self-forgiveness because sometimes people get to a place where they can forgive someone else, but they hold their own feet to the fire. They're burning themselves. They feel like a failure. And I'm, I'm raising my hand. That was me. So when you can forgive yourself and then get into even higher levels of forgiveness where you can live a life where you pre-decide you're going to be unoffendable, <laughs> that is a you know really high level of forgiveness. So that's just the start. We go into renewing your mind and finding your purpose. Mm -hmm. I think unoffendable. So that's also un-American, I'm afraid, right now, it seems, in that it, we seem to have turned it into a hobby, being offended. That is... So talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned the divorce, and obviously that was a, a devastating moment for you. How do you see the connection between grief and loss and these sorts of things, and then the health and, and wellness that, that people need to go through? Yeah. So grief is a cycle and it's never linear. It's not like, okay, you're better every single day. And then you get to an end point. You're, there's a lot of triggers. There's a lot of up and downs and back and forth. And so the grief cycle starts with shock where you get that phone call, you get that news. And then there's denial where this can't be happening to me. And there's 
anger and deep sadness and bitterness and depression. And eventually you'll work your way to getting adjusted, readjusted, and then healthy. And then I even try and I bring people to a level of health that they never even knew was possible in this whole amazing bonus life that they can create. But the physical, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the exercise, that's all part of it. Mm -hmm. If you look at any person that we would call successful in the world, there are habits that they do. So it starts with a belief and I help them to have true beliefs. And that belief becomes a spoken word. And when you speak it, that's your seed. That's what you're putting out into the world that you will eventually eat. When it's spoken, that puts it into action. The action done repeatedly becomes the habit. The habit develops your character and then the character becomes your identity. So if I can back up the thoughts about what they think about their bodies, what they eat, even again, attaching it to the identity where if you identify as someone who goes through the drive-thru all the time and gets fries and burgers and a milkshake every day, then you're identifying with someone who's going to shorten their life and probably be overweight and not have good energy and live in a toxic body. Versus if you identify as someone who eats, say, a Mediterranean style uh, diet, that's fruits and vegetables and lean meats and healthy fats and you know healthy fish, that's who you identify with. So it starts with a belief. Mm-hmm. And so whether we're using it for something physical, mental, emotional, financial, relational, spiritual, I help them with their beliefs and then we can connect it to any spoke on the wheel of their wellness. So how do people work to actually... When they're working through grief or through that cycle, I think sometimes stuck in a point on that loop, so to speak. How do people work to, I hesitate to say even overcome, because I don't know that it's even overcoming grief, but how do people work through that and and reach the point of having health after it? Yeah. So they need to do something different. Everything that they have in their life is a result of everything that they have done, every thought they have, every action they've taken. So we need to do something different. One of those things is renewing your mind to the past. Mm. You need to release the past. It's not even the way you actually remember it happened anymore. So getting them to let that go and get focused in the present. So even just getting them to breathe and let them know you're alive, you're in this moment, you're present. And then while they're breathing, getting them to meditate on truthful things, on good things. I do use affirmations. I believe in them. So you're saying things like, I am strong. I am powerful. I have a good memory. I'm someone who saves money. Um, I I make healthy choices. Mm -hmm. And then quiet time too, where you take time to just soak in what it is that you want to bring in. I I call it soaking in heaven, where I literally imagine myself in heaven. And if things could be excellent, what would they look like? And then I start to write them down and work backwards from there. So using our imagination, using our creativity, getting tapped into our heart more than our head and starting to put good thoughts and pure thoughts into our heart, that's what will eventually come out. So it's a combination of, we need to probably stop some things so a lot of times with my clients, I'll start with a, what I call a to don't list <laughs> and I'll ask them, what is it that you know that if you stopped doing it, right. things would become better in your life. And the one that you're ready to commit to, maybe it's not the big one, but maybe it's one. And maybe they'll say, I drink a bottle of wine every night. I'm willing to go to half a bottle. Okay, good. Let's start there. We'll talk in a week. Let's see what that does. And all these things add on each other. 
And it's like the pebble in the water that when they start doing one thing and they feel better and they think better and they see better results, it ripples out to bigger things. Yeah, and the irony is they usually can tell you something that they'd like to stop doing. Yes, too. they know. These are kindergarten <laughs> things. Like don't stay up all night watching TV or don't drink a bottle of wine every night. Don't, yeah. don't go through the fast food drive through line every single day of your life. Yeah. yeah. 95% of what we do after the age of 35 is habitual. So mm -hmm. we walk in the house, we go to the refrigerator. We just, we're not even thinking. We just order the same food, sit on the couch with a bag of chips or whatever it is. It, it's out of habit. We're not even conscious anymore. So it's getting conscious in the present and setting yourself up for success by stopping some things. Now you're making room to start something new. So what mm. can you replace the sitting on the couch and eating a bag of chips every night with that's going to move you towards who you want to become and where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And what are when people get stuck in that habitual rut that come home, veg out on the couch, eat a gallon of ice cream, a bag of chips, whatever it is, what are some of the things that you recommend or that you've seen that have worked to help them be able to break that, that habitual cycle? Yeah. First is identifying, like you just said, but then what? Yeah. So a simple thing is when I, then I. So when I walk in the door, then I take the dog for a walk. Mm -hmm. When I wake up, then I put on my tennis shoes and you, you put the cue there. You put the shoes out and you actually start to go to the gym then or get on the treadmill or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're already doing something. When I pull in the, the garage, then I sit and breathe for five minutes before I walk in the house. So it's something really simple that you're attaching to what you're doing, but really you need to have a really big why. So when someone says, I want to lose weight. Okay, great. Why do you want to lose weight? Why well, I want to feel better. Awesome. Why do you want to feel better? Well, I want to feel better because I uh, want to be able to play with my grandkids. Okay, great. Why is that important? When you get down to the seventh, why mm -hmm. now you're in the heart. Now you're down to the real reason because they have said many times, I want to lose weight. They have tried on average 13 different diets that have not worked for them. So when you know your why and you can work backwards from there, the real heart issue, when you're being honest with yourself, that's when things really start to happen. And there's lots of things you can do. Get an accountability partner, write things down have a reward and a punishment set up. So I call them CPRs. There's C is your commitment. The P is your penalty for not doing it. And the R is your reward for doing it. So most people will move away from a penalty 2.5 times more than they will move towards a reward. However you're wired, however it works. I mean, I have people say to me, Kelly, I'm going to you know, commit to getting my web page finished this week. If I don't, my penalty is I am going to eat my dog's food <laughs> and my reward will be that I'm going to go to the game with the guys and have mm -hmm. a beer. Having that and an accountability partner and the week's going to come and you're going to get that web page done or you're going to lose those two pounds or whatever it is. Don't ever set your goals up. That is something that has to do with someone else though. So mm -hmm. if you're not a web designer and it's out of your control, that might not be something good, but the things that are within your control that you can make happen. Right. Yeah. I've actually even had uh, clients that set up. And for instance, one of the, what you would call a penalty is giving a donation to a cause that they don't yes. support the anti, yes. the anti donation. 
if they're very pro one thing, what's the organization that's completely the opposite of that? That's who I'm going to give it. It's amazing how quickly that motivates people. (laughs) Yeah, nothing will make you madder than that. But it's, as you said, a lot of, for at least for many of us, that, that negative, avoiding a negative in some ways is almost easier than going towards a positive. I, I would ask on part of that, because I think it's connected to this, and, and I'm going to share something that I've observed, and then I'd like you to speak into it and see if this is something that, that you've run into with the folks that you help. I think also we have a tendency to discount the improvements we make. In other words, go back to your I'm only going to drink half a bottle of wine. If they do that and succeed in it, it's like, yeah, but I only cut back by half a bottle. It, it, in other words, as opposed to recognizing, wait, but that was a big change from you were drinking a whole bottle every night. What, have you seen folks discounting their change in that way? Yes. In the small things, the big things do happen, but a lot of people are not good at celebrating their successes. And if you just keep going on without rewarding yourself, number one, you're going to get burned out. But there's some, there's no recognition in it. And so what is that saying about yourself? If I say, okay, by Friday night, I'm going to get in five workouts and I'm going to eat. I'm going to do intermittent fasting all week. And if I do, I'm going to go get a pedicure. And if I do those things, but I don't get a pedicure on Friday night, then what is that saying about me? It's saying you're not worthy. You don't matter. The efforts weren't important. So you need to create the habit of celebrating your successes. Otherwise, you will get burned out. And a lot of people at our stage of careers get burned out on everything, relationships, work. And if you're not having fun and celebrating and recognizing, you're, you, you go to goal for so long, but that's not the way life's supposed to be. There's supposed to be joy and happiness and recognition and celebration. So as you've worked with folks, what are some of the unhealthy things that you've seen people do in an attempt to, you know, try to cope with their challenges, cope with difficulty? And what do you try to point them towards instead? Yeah. When you're in pain, you're going to do something. Whether your pain is you're overweight or you got divorced, whatever it might be, you're going to do something. And some of the things they do are isolate where they just shut down and they just stay by themselves. Another thing they will do if it's relationship, for example, they'll just run right into another relationship and they'll find the same guy or the same gal with a different head, but the addiction or enabling or control or whatever the the abuse, the deal was. Some people will escape where they'll just keep running from the next job or the next vacation, or they they just keep their head in the sand and they keep running. You can take a good thing and overdo it. You can overexercise. You could take anything that's even good but do it to excess and it's going to be a problem. Addiction, obviously drinking is something people will turn to uh, over the counter and prescription medicine. We are designed to be addicted, but we're designed to be addicted to God. So Mm -hmm. anything short of that is going to miss the mark. And there's no amount of it that will fill that space. No amount of wine, no amount of sex, no amount of pornography, name the addiction. You can go to Vegas nothing is going to fill your heart mm-hmm. if you're looking to fill it with anything else, in my opinion, except. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So I have a couple of questions that I like to ask every guest, but before I go there, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener about you know the health and wellness work you do or the divorce coaching? Sure. Yeah. If anyone 
I think self-love is something we all could be better at. So if someone is critical of other people, they're really critical of themselves. They're the biggest self-critic. It's like the people who are the bullies are the most insecure. So really working on that, stop the blaming, stop the self-judging, stop holding your feet to the fire and really start to take care of yourself and look for gratitude in your life. No matter where you are, gratitude is a superpower. Stop the self-rejection and stop being a victim. So start wherever you are and fill yourself with good things. So good food, good words, good music, good entertainment, good people. Just level up your environment and what comes into your brain and your body every single way that you can. And it starts with your thoughts about you. So thinking about that, because you you talked earlier about helping people rewire their thinking or, or readjust how they're thinking. Why do you think so many people deal with those feelings of self-worth and self? They probably didn't have good examples because when you, when people, two people get married, you've got two different people who come together with different ideas who are not taught how to have a healthy marriage. So their communication styles are different and they're figuring it out themselves. Who's doing the silent treatment? Who's exploding in anger? And so we grow up watching parents doing the best they can. And now we've got to come together with another person who had two or multiple parents and try and figure it out. When we want to feel loved, we're going to do something. And so we might uh, try and be the best at something. I'm going to be the best athlete or music or whatever. That Then we see that's how we get loved. We might be the sick one because when we're sick, that's when we get all the attention. We might try and be the good girl because I'm just going to help mom and dad. I'm going to be the helper. I'm not going to cause any trouble. So we're always looking to be loved. And all of those ways, again, are, are just glitching ways to figure where do we fit in. And if there's four kids in the family, each kid is going to find their thing to do. One might be the rebel because that's Mm -hmm. how they get love. Even Mm -hmm. if it means doing something destructive, but they get attention and love. Negative attention, still attention. So Yeah. The number one goal that every human that has breath has is to be unconditionally loved. And we can't get that from one other human. We can't even get it from all the other humans. Again, for for me, it's always going to be to go to God to get Mm -hmm. that love. And then when you feel that love, you can love. So my brand is Inspired Stewardship. And stewardship is one of those things that I talk a lot about and run a lot of my life through. And yet over the years, I've discovered that that's one of those words that different people hear and mean different things when they hear it. So I like to ask all of my guests this. For you, what is stewardship and what has its impact been on you in your life? Yeah, I would say that it means tending well to what you've been given. So your talents, your resources, your purpose, your passion, you have been giving something and really you have the opportunity to do something great with it. Like the talents, you can bury them or you can multiply them. What is it that you will do with what you're given? And when you do well with what you're given, you'll be given a lot more. And when you're given more, you're going to be responsible to it. So that is in a nutshell, what I believe that's why we're here to steward things well and be responsible and integrous with what. So how has that understanding played out in your life? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I, about a year ago, decided to start writing down 
everything at the end of the day that I was grateful for. I started filling a page and I wouldn't stop until the page was full. And initially it was very mechanical. It was like, well, I took my vitamins while I walked the dog, but now it's, wow, nobody had the day that I had. I got to be on the Inspired Leadership Podcast and I got this in the mail and I got to talk to this person. And you start going throughout your day looking for things to be grateful for, looking for places to serve, looking for the flow of giving and receiving. And so when you go about your day knowing that, okay, people are going to know me by the fruit in my life. I want light and love to follow me so that when I walk in the room, they feel love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And it makes them lean in and go, I want what she has. Not in a jealous way, but just that they feel that energy and they're drawn towards it. So my goal every day is to help people be well. And of course I miss it. Of course I fall short. Of course there's only so much of me to go around, but I want it to be a multiplying effect that I have now trained and discipled others from my own kids who have amazing servant hearts. My son is, he was 19 when he gave away his first car because he Mm. watched mom give away multiple cars as he was growing up. So when my kids see a need, they're really good about filling it. And now their friends are watching them and it just multiplies out from there. So that brings us to the next question. This is my favorite question. Let's say I could invent a magic machine and I could pluck you from the, the chair where you are today and bring you into the future 100 to 150 years And magically, you were able to look back on your entire life and see all of the impacts and all of the ripples that you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left on the world? Yeah, I believe I have a platform to help people go from literally being victims, even just zombie-like that are just dragging along, just scraping by to get them to a place of vibrancy of love, of purpose, of passion, where they are operating on the highest possible levels of good and love that they could possibly have. I would love for people to be healthier, wealthier, more integrous, trusted, and operating in every spiritual gift that they desire from you know hospitality to teaching, that people would really tap into their gifts and use them. Mm. So what's on your roadmap? What's coming next for you as you continue on this journey? I am committed to empowering women to overcome fear, rejection, grief, so that they can create this amazing, powerful bonus life that they didn't even know was possible. So I want to take women specifically separation, divorce, post-divorce, any relationship issues, but really any woman who's just hurting and get her to a place of You can follow Kelly on Facebook or LinkedIn as Kelly Calabrese. That's K-E-L-I-C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E. Of course, the best place to find out more about her and her services is on her website, which is kellycalabrese.com. Of course, I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes as well. Kelly, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, I would love to hear from your listeners. I honestly would love for them to email me and share with me what are your challenges? What was something on the show that maybe inspired you to write? And my email is kelly with an I at kellycalabrese.com. And 
I, I do have a bunch of resources and hopefully I can help them. I have a, my latest best-selling book is called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And I'm happy to send any of your listeners a free electronic copy of that. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.